Hey everyone, it's Pastor Mike Adkins, and I want to welcome you to Next Steps, where the teaching pastors of Grace Church help you focus on taking a next step in your spiritual life. If you're not listening there already, I invite you to take a moment to download the free Grace app. It's the best place to hear and share messages and to get connected with what's going on here in the life of our church. Just search Grace Church Orlando in your app store or head to discovergrace.com forward slash app to find it. Pastor Clint Harrison and Pastor Grant Nixon and I hope that these podcast conversations will help you take your next step toward Christ. Hey guys, welcome back. We're so glad to be with you. This is Next Steps, the podcast that helps you take your next step toward Christ. I'm here with Pastor Clint. How's it going? And Pastor Grant. Hey, everybody. We're excited to be here with you. Well, today we are talking about the subject of the Bible. Big fan. Big, Big fans, fan the of the three Bible. Of us. I like yes, it. Yep. For you sure. like it, Clint? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's all right. We like it. Yeah, we like it. So, so one of the great challenges with uh, Scripture today is that most people don't read Scripture. So mm-hmm. most of the ideas that people have about Scripture are just things that they've heard and uh, regurgitated from one person after another. It's almost yeah. like the water cooler conversation behind the scenes. They don't really know what they believe about the Bible because they don't have firsthand experience with it. So they just kind of like repeat and learn from other people. But sure. one of the questions that is um, often asked of me is, do you really believe the Bible is literal? Hmm. And so here's here's what I would say about that. The Bible's literal, yes. The Bible's literal in the places where it was meant to be literal. Right. <laughs> and it right. was figurative. Do you believe all songs are literal? Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And, and and that speaks to the fact that there are certain there are certain parts of the Bible that are just different kinds of literature. So mm-hmm. on the one hand, you know, for example, like what's literal? When the Bible says, thou shall not kill, it's not a metaphor. Right. right? Yeah. It's not saying it's, it's, it's not literally. <laughs> I, I got to make, make a phone call. Got to make a phone call. Got to do something. So, um, so, so when he's saying that, you know, don't kill, it actually means don't kill when it says, right. when it says um, or really the, the word is murder. Um, um, or, or when it says don't lie or steal or things like that, those are very, very literal things. But when it describes, um, you know, the beast coming out of the water, you know, uh, these are metaphors. So we have, on the one hand, we have like wisdom literature. Mm-hmm. We have apocalyptic literature. And apocalyptic, apocalyptic literature is virtually uh, not literal almost all the time. Right. But even though right. there are some literal things inside of that as well. Sure. But it's just like any other kind of literature. Like you're not going to go to an Agatha Christie novel in order to get your you know information about you know a crime scene. You're or not going to watch. I'm not going CS- to an Agatha Christie <laughs> yeah, that's right. novel. That's right. Just not doing but, it. Exactly. Drawing a line. You're not going to watch CSI and feel like you're really informed on forensic science. Okay, so I gotta I gotta confess something. When that show first came on, I totally thought I was informed on oh, how forensic science. Yeah, that's I was amazing. like, oh well, I, obviously that's how they do it. That's yeah. amazing. And uh, yeah, so I'm Grant dropped out of college. He's I'm like, just, I'm a CSI. <laughs> I'm a CSI now. Is that blood? And then I'd pass out. So it was a short-lived career. Yeah. But the Bible has all kinds of different genres of literature inside of it. And so it yeah. needs to be read according to what's actually being said. That's right. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that because it's not a it's not meant to be taken literally like a like a poem is not meant to be taken literally. It doesn't mean that the poem doesn't contain truth. That's right. right. It doesn't mean that it doesn't it doesn't um communicate truth or communicate something about the character, the nature of God. That's right. And you think about I mean you think about any any love song that's written about that's written about uh, the lover of the person who wrote it, right? When you listen to those songs, it's teaching you about that person. It's teaching you about their character. Right. It's teaching yeah. you about you know their kindness. It's teaching you about the things that that person loves. But literally, do they have like do they have the the hair of doves or whatever? You know what right. I mean? Like whatever. No, but it is communicating uh, a beautiful truth. When you look at the creation account, 
that's there's a there's a poem in there. We're seeing this refrain over and over again oh, yes. uh, in the start of Genesis, and it tells us truth. Right. It tells us it tells us who it tells us we have a creator God. Yeah, it's not just genre; it's also context. Like context is king. I mean, we learned that in hermeneutics, how no, to sure study no. your Bible. You have to read and understand what's going on surrounding that verse or surrounding that passage or even that book to say, okay, this is what it means. Is yeah. this literal or is this not? Right. Yeah, when you take, because you can, you know, one of the objections that we hear all the time too is you can make the Bible say anything. Right. Well, that's, of course, that's true. Yeah. Just you like you can make the Constitution anything. say every, yeah, anything exactly. you want it to say. You can make any written document exactly. mean something uh, that you... So, so Clint, what you said is exactly right. Context is king. It's it's everything. You've got to not read just a passage and say, this is what it means to me. You have to read right. the passage before it, the passage after it, place it in context. And really, for the most part, we don't ask the question of, what does this mean to me? Because that's a subjective response. Mm, that's right. Yeah. Because then you have 10 people in a room, they have 10 different things that it means to them, right? right? Yeah. So actually there was an author's intention there behind what he was writing, right? That's right. And so when the author writes, he actually has an intention behind it. So the better question is, what does the author want me to know? And then how can I apply it to my own life? That's yeah. right. But you know, when you, you talk about that, um, you know, now we've talked about a little bit of, of how to read it, you know what I mean? So we can, we know that we're reading it properly, but you know, one of the objections to you, Pastor Mike, is not just, is this literal, but you have people saying, is this reliable? Oh, you know, is this reliable to, uh, to, can I build my life on this? Is this, can this be trusted? Like, That's wasn't right. this written thousands of years ago? Right. Like, wasn't this, you know, this is written by guys who are, who are fallible and and make mistakes? So can we really trust that? And so I don't know. What, what do we say to that? Like, who, Clint, what you're our uh, resident Dead Sea Scrolls uh, expert. <laughs> That's right. He always, if you guys have noticed, he always has a sea scroll under his arm. Always, always, always. always. at all times. Except on a, Sundays, it's really weird. It's weird. I thought it was a menu uh, for some. But nah. it's actually, <laughs> you're sea crazy. <laughs> so I mean, it's cool to know. I mean, when you're speaking of the Dead Sea Scrolls, so in the 30s and 40s, we found all these scrolls, and they showed. Where were they located? a great question. The Dead Seas. <laughs> but 30s uh, and 40s, and they found born. this this manuscript uh, that was written a thousand years after the book of Isaiah, and it was a copy that was the exact replication. Mm. Maybe a few commas that were different or stylists yeah. from you know the scribes, but it was an exact representation of Isaiah. A thousand years later. A thousand years. Yeah. I mean, what are the chances of that actually happening just if, if you were to roll the dice? I think yeah. the answer would be virtually none. It, it would be an, it would be a virtual impossibility. And so, one of the things that we believe about the scriptures is that the super is that the Holy Spirit superintends, watches over the scriptures themselves, That's right. and guards His word. And yeah. So, yeah, He guards His word. And so, this transmission of the of the scriptures throughout the ages um, have been have been solid. Why? Mm. Because God's watched over it because it's such a central book to who we are. But yeah. even just looking at like our the documents that we do have, I mean, just looking at the other ancient manuscripts that we have outside of the scriptures, That's nothing right. compares There's to what no the scripture comparison. has. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, you mean by, what you mean by that basically is like, we don't have, we have fragments of Homer. We have right. fragments of old philosophy. Right. We have enti the entirety of scripture. Yeah, we have 6,000 like copies. 6,000 yeah. copies. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah, there's 6,000 of the New Testament. There's 26,000 fragments of the entire Bible put together. And it's just, it's incredible. I mean, it's like you said, there's no ancient document like that. Not only that, when they wrote it, uh, it was during the time frame that eyewitnesses would have seen those events take place. And they would have said, even though it sounds like when you hear, oh, it was written 25 years after the event, people were there to say, 
that did actually happen. That's right. And I'm confirming that, and I'm not arguing with that. As a matter of fact, even Josephus, he's not a believer. He's, he's an historian. A historian. Yeah. And uh, he he even remembers and writes about the day that Jesus died and about how there was a darkness and about how all these took, things took place. And so they're not even, they have no skin in the game, but they're saying that. In fact, he's happen. Jewish. He's not Christian. Right. 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 Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, the, these, these first saint accounts were written so soon to the events happening that, like, it'd be difficult to create a legend uh, with with all these eyewitnesses around. And in fact, like, uh, Mark um, literally writes, he's talking about the man who helped Jesus carry his cross to Calvary. He says, was the father of Alexander and Rufus. Well, somebody's going to be reading that and go, I know Alexander and Rufus. Yeah, like, yeah. why else would he make this, like, why else would he make this this point here? And um, and then he, he goes on to say, Alexander and Rufus vouch for the truth of what I'm telling you. If you want to ask them, that's basically what he's saying to them. It's yeah. like, go ask them. Yeah. That's why I'm putting their name here. It's an incredible thing. I mean, yeah. almost in the early church, you didn't need to have faith. You could just go ask somebody. You know what I mean? The scriptures themselves <laughs> yeah. say, if you want to know about Jesus, there's still some guys who are alive. <laughs> right. Like, the, you it's know, just crazy. go down and talk to John, right. that guy. He was it would, there. It'd be hard to invent a legend. Like, it'd be hard for me to say, did you guys know that I can jump 20 feet off the ground? Just right now, right? Like only when you're scared. But you know what I mean. Like at that point, you're gonna be. They're gonna go. Hey, Clint, can Grant really jump that high? And you'd be like, Have you seen him? <laughs> Absolutely, he cannot. Um, so anyway, but like it'd be hard to create a legend when you have eyewitnesses around, right? And not only that, I mean, the, all throughout the accounts of the Gospels, it talks about women being the first to encounter so many things. Which is completely contrary yeah. to their culture. It's I a mean, counterproductive it's very, thing they're putting in the yeah, gospel. So yeah. it's not legend. No, it's, it's, it's not legend. Because if you were building a legend, you certainly wouldn't include that fact because that would disqualify you. Right. Because a woman couldn't give testimony in a in a in a court. Right. Because their testimony wasn't valid. Now, yeah. Of course, we don't embrace that or endorse that. Sure. But at the end of the day, that was their culture, and again, context reality. is king. Yeah. So if I'm creating a legend, why in the world would I include those facts? That would actually be contrary. To be trying to do that. Also, right. the people who create these legends, if they were, if if the the disciples and the apostles were actually creating this legend, um, they make themselves look real, real bad. Yeah, uh, they're cowards. Yeah, you know, Peter, <laughs> like they're cowards and really portrayed poorly. And, <laughs> and they're, you know what I mean? They're failing over and over again. Hey and guys, I'm like, gonna throw myself under the bus. Let's write <laughs> yeah, about that. This is gonna be really great. I'm gonna throw myself under the bus. Okay, so who's gonna be the first eyewitness to Jesus? We got to figure that out. How about a lady? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that'll really back us up in a court of law. You That's know, right. so That's so right. yeah, the the content even even in them is too counterproductive that it would well, make and, sense. And the other thing legend. too that's just it really doesn't make sense that you know if we're if these guys were creating a legends or they or they were trying to create a separate religion, which they weren't. I mean, right. you know, Christianity evolved over time. It's not it's not this was still Judaism. Uh, right. It was just a sect of Judaism at that point, right? And so if you were trying to create all of this, one of the last things that you would do is, you know, have an ending like most of the disciples had. Yeah. I mean, these were tragic stories. I yeah. mean, we've got beheadings. Um, tradition tells us that uh, Peter was crucified upside down because right. he didn't feel worthy to be crucified the same way. You would think that if you're trying to create a religion or something that someone would follow, you'd create something with some good outcomes, some yeah. awesome endings. No, no, no. All these guys who were close to Jesus, they were brutalized um, in, their, in, in their lives and died terribly. I do think one of the things, too, is that we can admit, as as people who do read the Bible quite a lot, um, there are times that even ourselves, we come to things in the Scriptures and we go, whoa. You know what I mean? We come yeah. to the Scriptures and we of go, course. what do I do with that? Yeah, You know, things that, that just blow our mind. And so people people come to, to me all the time, I'm sure they come to you all the time, and they say, hey, I just read this, God said this, or God did this in the Scriptures, and... I don't know what to. I don't know what to do with. I'm this. struggling. I'm with struggling. This. Yeah. I'm struggling right. with this. I think about uh, one time uh, Jesus is is teaching, and this woman comes in, and she wants healing um, for her daughter, and 
and you know, ultimately Jesus ends up saying that um, you know, I don't. It's not right to take the bread from the children and throw it to the dogs. And so this guy comes to me and he goes, "Did Jesus call this woman a dog?" Which, by the way, I don't think he did. But that's not the point of the story. The point of the story was that he he came to me and said, "I read this. I'm confused by it, and I'm really bothered by it. Right? I don't I don't know how to make make this make sense." And so. I, I do think some people, when their objection with the Bible is they read something or they hear something, probably yeah. is more accurate as you said, Pastor yeah. Mike. Yeah. They hear something and then they're they're really upset about it and yeah. they object because culturally this I don't like this. This doesn't fit in with my world right. and and I don't like this and so I'm going to dismiss it. So what what would you say to to something like that? Someone dealing with an objection like that. I mean, at the end of the day, one of the challenges is believing and thinking that our own morality is the most superior morality. Mm. You know, that culturally we've been enlightened to the point that we can judge every other culture, every other nation, every other time period in history and say, no, no, we're at the apex of history right now. Actually, it's not really so. We just have iPhones. We have technology, <laughs> right? And it was so funny. Like I was, I was, <laughs> I was having a conversation the other day and um, and my wife, you know, she's like, I'm not sure about that. And she went online. I used to win a lot of arguments before the internet. Oh yeah. yeah like if you sure. are, if you, if, if you're confident internet, and like loud, if you are passionate yeah. and loud about stuff that you're like, I believe yeah. this, you know, right. people are like, cool. Awesome. That's a win. Yeah. But now they're like, yeah. check it out the, on the internet. And that's great for us. So oh, my we don't daughter have to, stumps me all the time. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> I used to have to run thing. to the encyclopedia to prove myself right. And <laughs> yeah, yes. whatever. Never right. Yeah. So, so at the end, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day though, you know, all we have is better technology now. We don't have better morality. Mm-hmm. Like when you go back and you look at the people in the scriptures and the things that they do, we see the same things happening today. Yeah, right? absolutely. And because of that, what we really are saying is that people are the same all throughout history. Mm-hmm. Again, we just have better technology, which makes us feel superior which then translates into us feeling like our morality is more superior. And it's really not. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's a very cocky and a very arrogant thing to say. We're the apex of human history right now. Mm-hmm. Like, we are the best. Like, we can't look back in history and say, well, just because they did that that way, you know, we would never do it that way. Yeah. Our, you know, we would never do that today. Right. right. Which is, A, not true. And, B, even if it were true, is that Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we we do. We have this like we believe that the Bible's like culturally regressive. Like oh, I well that's we we absolutely know what we're doing. You know nowadays, and I absolutely know the right thing to do here. And um and yeah, it's a it's a place of arrogance. It's also a place. It's just not true. Yeah. Jesus talks about he said he he literally puts lust up there, and he goes, hey. I'm saying it's wrong for you to have lust in your heart towards someone. Like you're committing adultery if you have lust in your heart towards someone. Has that changed? Yeah. Has lust in our heart, has that changed in the last 2,000 years? Of course not. Absolutely not. Now it's manifested in different ways, right? Technology. Well, technology, exactly, right? Like did, so when my dad was growing up, when my dad was growing up in the 50s, did he have Instagram that would like stir up lust in him? Nope. But did he have eyes? Yep. Right. And so there's there's lust in, in his heart. And going going all the way back to Jesus, Jesus is talking about this. Somewhere, somewhere Grant's dad's like, wait, what? <laughs> wait, he's do you like, think my dad's he's going like, did you just out me, dude? <laughs> do you think my dad's going like, what's Instagram? Uh, so anyway, yeah. So so these aren't these aren't new. It's not that we figured it out and we're better. And so for us to look at the scriptures and go, ah, I don't know, and, and think this is culturally regressive. Yeah, no, it's, it's a silly the culturally thing. regressive uh, argument that you bring up is really good. I mean, I, I think it that's is. something that we hear a lot because, and again, it's based upon the idea we call it regressive, as if we are yeah, progressive, right? right? right. Like yeah. we're the we're apex better. of history. We're yeah. better. So there is an inherent cockiness in it. But you also have to remember that, like, the Bible was placed within periods of history mm. that were very different and they were surrounded by pagan world. 
Right. And so some of the things that we looked, so one of the one of the challenges in reading the Bible and understanding it is we take 21st century ideals right. and then we put them onto first century concepts, right? right? Yep. But we forget the context that was taking place, you know, in the Old Testament, the context that is taking place in the New Testament. Christianity is formed, Judaism is formed in the world around pagan ideals. Yeah. And so they were terrible things. I mean, there was a God in the Old Testament called Molech. Mm-hmm. And they would actually sacrifice babies to Molech, right? Mm-hmm. Your firstborn, mm-hmm. so that prosperity would come into your life and good things would happen, right? God condemns something like this. Sure. Right. And so one of the things we hear today is like, you know, the Bible is 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 regressive against women. It's regressive against, you know, different classes of people. And so we would what we would say is no. The Bible actually works toward you you mentioned this earlier. Jesus reveals himself first at the at uh, to to women. Yeah. You know, this, the, the the apostles say, man, women were hugely important in uh, the story of Jesus's resurrection. That's right, right. They include that in there, which would not have been done with the pagan cultures around There's them. There's a trajectory. So there is yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of, you know, and I don't mean this in a liberal conservative way, and I don't mean this in a political way anyway, but Christianity was very progressive for its day. Right. It was very much the one that was reconciling things. You know, one of the big things that we hear about all the time is the concept of slavery. You know, that slavery yeah. is a terrible thing, which we all, of course, agree with because right, we right. Have, our nation has a terrible history with slavery. Mm-hmm. But with that said, you know, slavery, Grant, you were talking about it earlier as we were talking through the podcast, that it's different. It's, right? it's definitely different. So the, the text that people will chip themselves up over is slaves obey your masters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, even, or even Paul writing like, um, you know, hey, Onesimus, you need to return, like, you need to return to your master. I mean, that's like... We look at that and we, again, that's... We place it in the context we, of a southern plantation. So exactly. We go back yeah, we to the did. antebellum yep. south, right? Yep. Yep. And we just imagine that... Slaves being beaten. Exactly. And, and we think that they don't they don't have the same identity that other people do or whatever. But in the first century, like 90% of that of that ancient world, they were slaves. Like in the, right. in the Roman world, they were, they were yeah. slaves, but it looked completely different, right? right? And so... Uh, they had a different class, so they were they weren't distinguished by race or clothing or right. speech. If you're slaves walking in all shapes, sizes, and forms, if you're walking through the marketplace, you wouldn't know who was a slave, right. who was not. Um, they were also, from a financial standpoint, slaves made the same wages as free laborers, oftentimes. So they weren't necessarily poor, or even usually poor, right? And they could free themselves with their right. with their with their wages. With their, so with really, their it was more like what the South was trying to do. Like they moved they moved from slavery into serfdom. Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. serfs basically were given a certain amount of money. Now, again, these are not things that we value. Not at these all. These are not things that we think are important. These were blights on American history. These were terrible right. things. But this is the context. This yeah, is yeah. the context yeah. in which they're. When, so, so, so Christianity can't come in and just you know flip over the tables, you know, and say everything's got to stop now. Why? Because ninety percent of the world was this way. Right. So what they do is they come in and they become a subversive culture. Right. Right. They're subverting all the things that are happening around them. And they're saying, even though this is normative, even though this is what ha- everyone's doing, it's not what we're going to do as people. Yeah. Right? They made huge. Strides. And so what it says, yeah. and it's interesting because Grant, you brought up the whole idea of slaves uh, obey their masters. The context within that it has nothing to do with slavery whatsoever. Mm-mm. The context within that is so that you can win that person to Christ. Yeah, right. So on the one hand, you could have two different scenarios. You could have a rebellious slave who's a follower of Jesus and a master who basically is like, man, nothing but drama with you. Like you are constantly like a problem. I wouldn't follow your Jesus because you're a terrible person. Right. And so Paul says, let's be subversive. Mm. Let's, let's, Let's fit within the culture and undermine the culture from within. 
So he's saying like, I want you to go back and I want you to serve this guy in a way that no one else does. And when he sends Onesimus back, he sends him back in that way. That's right. And he says, he says, I want you, I want you to serve this guy really, really well mm -hmm. yeah. so that you can gain authority so that you can gain a connection. Right. It's just like today. Right. I mean, we wouldn't be mean to people if we're trying to get them to know Jesus. We want to love them. Right. And so it just so happened that co the, the context was slavery. And so here we go. We've misread, uh, we've totally misread this, this story. Right. We've, we've misread this teaching. And, and really, like, again, the, the, the teaching that goes throughout all of it, we talk about gender roles, right? Yes. And we talk about slavery in this, in this first century context. Um, the the message of the scriptures is that we are created in the image of God, uh, and God is restoring all yes. things. And so we see Him restoring gender roles. We see Him yes. restoring women. We see Him restoring slaves. Right. And right. so so really, like when people look at this on the surface, and they don't look at the context, and they don't look at really what is happening here. What That's is right. what is what are people really interacting with? They see something ugly, but we can look at it and see like. Paul says, "Receive Onesimus back as a precious brother." As a brother, what does that do to That's slavery? It's done. It's done. It kills it. Right? Yeah. It kills slavery. And so again, we are brothers in Christ. We've misread it because again, we're taking our 21st century right, and yep. instead of instead of looking, the context is king, as, as Clint said. We put that on to the scriptures, and now guess what? We're not going to find any truth. We're going to find whatever we brought with us, right? And we're going to call it truth. It's I so huge. I mean. If you just slow down for a second and think about all the issues that you have with the Bible, about all the different things that could come up, here's the thing. It's truth. It's God's revelation to us. And what we're saying is we're taking a few small examples that you may have read and gone, that's horrible or that's terrible. And we're saying there's so much more to it. That's as right. you study it, as you look into it, that there is truth behind it, that it's actually loving and good, and that's our God. Uh -huh. And so whatever you're facing looking at the Bible and thinking through different details, whether it's culture or whatever, there's a specific context, and it's probably you just need more information. You know, I mean, one of the things I think it's important for us before we end this podcast, it's mm -hmm. important for us to understand that we all don't see the Bible equally all the time. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. you know, it's you okay mentioned, that we disagree. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And, and you, you know, Grant, you brought up one that's really, really important. You brought up the one of gender roles. Mm -hmm. You know, and so gender roles are a very, very difficult subject and have been for a long, long time, right? And so what we have within Christianity, within Christianity, what we have is differing views on anything from can a, a woman be a pastor? Can right. she be an elder? Can, you know, can she be in a, a leader in the church? I mean, Paul says some pretty challenging things, but again, we're taking them with 21st century eyes and looking at a first century book not realizing that there's a context. He's right. trying to solve some problems there, right? right? And we're trying to we're trying to figure all that out. You know, even with like Pastor Mike, uh, even with the way that we teach and discover grace and discover truth, we talk about baptism. If you want to become a member here at Grace Church, one of the things we say is that we believe, looking at the scriptures, uh, we do immersion, and we believe that's a, that's right. a, a beautiful picture. We also believe that it's best if you choose to be baptized after right. following Christ. But we say to people, if you're joining Grace and you were baptized as an infant, we're going to leave that up to your conscience. That's right. right. We're, we're leaving it up to your conscience. Now, we both read the same scriptures, and we both come to potentially two different places. Right. And we're saying, we're saying absolutely you can, uh, you can be a part of what we're doing. Yeah, we call that an open-handed issue and closed-handed issues. And so when it comes to the gospel, we are closed. Like, we, we all believe the same thing, yeah, and right. we would all claim the same thing. And But there's other issues that are open-handed, and they've hit on several, and there's so many more. Yeah. But things like yeah. the Trinity, we, we, we are closed-fisted on. 
Like we all believe that this God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. Yeah. I mean, so when we talk about closed fisted issues, what we mean by that is these are settled issues, right? These are, these are issues that the church has for 2000 years agreed upon. And so on the one hand, we definitely want to say there are certain things and there's, there's, it's good for us to disagree Mm -hmm. and to to be challenging with those things. Right. And we're going to look to the scriptures to clarify ourselves all the time. However, with that said, it's also important for us to say that it's really, that there are plenty of things that we do agree cross denominationally. Right. Right. Like we believe in the sufficiency of Jesus to settle our sins. We believe in a heaven and hell. Right. And these are closed fisted issues, meaning we don't open our hand and go, you know what, do, this year, do we still believe Jesus is Savior? <laughs> right. You know, right. We're we going to decide that at the conference. Thing? Right. We'll decide that at a conference and right. make a decision, and God will act accordingly. No, no. Like right. this is, this you know, is you used the phrase just a moment ago that this is revelation. This is God. It's not just information, it's revelation. Right. It's God mm-hmm. opening Himself to us and saying, here is who I am. And so sometimes we can grasp that. And when we don't, it's us, not him. Right, right. Like we're just not able to get it. So those open-handed things we can disagree on. Like, you know, at Grace, we're like, you know, baptism, you mentioned, mm-hmm. communion, that's done differently in the church. Do you raise your hand in worship? Do you, not, do you speak in tongues in church? All right. those things. Those are right. open-handed issues. Yeah. But on the other side of that, um, so we have to recognize that there are certain things that we do agree on yeah, and right. there are closed fisted things. And those things are super important for us. So what we're going to do is we're going to major on the majors right. and we're going to let the minor things be the minor things. Right. right. And if we do that, I think we're off to a good start. Yep. All right, guys, we are at the end of another podcast. We're so excited that you were with us today. Yep. Go to Apple, subscribe and rate us. We would love to have you do that. We want to get this message out to more and more people as we help more people take their next steps toward Christ. This is Pastor Mike. Pastor Clint. And Pastor Grant. See you guys. See you guys. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope to see you this weekend at a Grace campus near you. Get all the details and more resources at discovergrace.com.